Hey man, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm I'm doing well, thank you. You're good. What are you excited yeah. about recently? Ah, uh, uh, actually, um, I started painting the office. Actually, okay. uh, so um, this this kind of long uh, long process of establishing a base, a creative studio where like-minded people can come together in real life. Uh, slowly coming together. Um, I do have a space actually in town, but uh, we're trying to make it our own. Uh, so um, I, I painted the wall yesterday just to give it a bit of life. It's this kind of beige white at the moment, and uh, we painted it this kind of nice dark uh, dark blue. Um, I'm just going to get some furniture. We're going to get some stuff and kind of just make it our own. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's really coming together, and it feels great, man. It's like it's, it's our own space. Good. I'm really glad to hear that you're not going with the cliche white walled office, you know, the creative, <laughs> just white no, it's, everywhere. It's, it's a very um, idiosyncratic building. Like it's, it's old school. I might have mentioned it last time. It's like 1930s with 1970s interior. Mm. Uh, but it, there's something about it that's very uh, nostalgic and it, it, it's not trying to be anything that it's not. Um, I'd, I'd love to have like exposed concrete walls and just sort of like the designer look, but it, at the end of the day, it's, it's the space is one thing, but it's the people who make the space that really is what it needs to be. And so I, I love it. You know, it's, it's down to earth. Um, no one really goes there. It's off the grid. It's, on, it's kind of in a, it's in a busy but quiet part of town. Um, and it's just easy going. We can do whatever we want. So it's, it's, it's exactly what we need. That's amazing, man. Is it in Wellington, did you say? Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, it's in the CBD, in the central city, but um, really affordable. I don't know. There's sort of various things have happened. So it's like getting like commercial real estate is super cheap um, mm. for some reason. Wellington's just dying from the inside. So it's like you can find space and the whole building is like empty rooms. I'm actually going to do a photo shoot up on the, one of the other floors of the building, which is totally empty. Um, it's like liminal spaces. Yeah, we were talking about that liminal space. It's absolutely beautiful. I love it. I just go there. I went there today, actually. I went down to the beach with a friend. It was super nice weather today. So we went for a swim. Mm. Uh, Rena as well. So three of us went down, went for a swim, and then I did that down and did another coat of paint on the wall. I dashed down to the, to, the, to, the, uh, to the office. So, yeah, it's kind of a nice, convenient location. And, um, yeah, it's what it needs to be. Yeah, man. And you've got big ideas for it, which is really exciting. Um, yeah. But just going back to the liminal spaces really quickly, isn't it funny how, um, so in our last podcast, you introduced me to the idea. I've, I've actually never heard of liminal spaces before. Um, mm. So you, you introduced me to it. But it's funny how since then, I've been hearing about it everywhere. Like, honestly, I went to a book reading the other night. Um and, and the lady was reading from her book and, and she started talking about liminal spaces. And I was on the train the other day reading the newspaper and they started talking about liminal spaces. Is it uh, quite, is it the in thing at the moment or what, what's going on? It's hard to say. I wonder why that is. Cause I think there's maybe people reevaluating their relationship to places, mm. you know, um, definitely with lockdowns and certain things, you know, the way you look at places changes, um, so yeah, potentially it's just become a, a, a kind of a cultural a topic. Topic, you know? Yeah. yeah, interesting. Speaking of yeah, speaking of that though, I actually a friend gave me a book recently, which I've been meaning to read. Um, uh, it's kind of inspired a lot of the work that inspires me. Mm. Um, it's called Invisible Cities um, by Italo Calvino. It's like a classic story of sort of these these kind of these magical cities on the road on the Silk Road you know, Marco Polo and Kublai Khan kind of talking about them. Um, and it's, it's really short. It's just tiny little kind of pamphlet of, of these stories. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it really is. I'll just read you this little blurb here, which I really love. Please. Yeah, cities like dreams are made of desires and fears. Even if the thread of their discourse is secret, their rules are absurd, their perspectives deceitful, and everything conceals something else. Nice, <laughs> man. Sounds right up your street. Yeah, no, it really is great, and it, and it, and it kind of. Do you remember that time we watched um, um, uh, Ginga mm, Tetsudo? No Tetsudo. Tetsudo. Yeah. yeah, was it the night of the Galactic Railway? Um, um, night on the Galactic Railroad. Yeah, yeah, Miyazawa, Miyazawa Kenji. Um, so that um, that kind of space. Um, so Miyazawa Kenji is like one of my favorite authors, and uh, he's a really interesting character. He, he grew up in Iwate back in the day. And, you know, in the 19, he was, he was writing in the sort of the 20s, you know, 1920s. And um, 
he was really into kind of quite esoteric stuff like that. You know, he was really into like um, C.S. Lewis and kind of that kind of magical uh, realism, that that whole that whole thing. Um, but that film kind of reminds me a lot, like that city that that story is, that the film was set in. That kind of reminds me a lot of the kind of stuff that these that this book yeah. is talking about. Like quite quite. Mm. Quite, quite, yeah, it's, it's quite a strange th- feeling to, to read it. Um, and then, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. It just it, it really, it's, it's a different way of looking at things. It's very philosophical, very metaphorical. Do you find it hard to keep up with it? Because it sounds like I would, uh, I would struggle to. No, no they're, they're tiny little stories. They're like two page oh, right. motifs, you know, like, like the first one. I'll just have a look here. I, I was reading it at the beach today. It's like one page. So it's like travelers return from the city of Zuma with distinct memories, a blind black man shouting in the crowd, a lunatic teetering on a skyscraper's cornice, a girl walking with a tumor on a leash. Actually, many of the blind men who tap their canes on Zuma's cobblestones are black. In every skyscraper, there is someone going mad. All lunatics spend hours on cornices. There is no puma that some girl does not raise as a whim. The city is redundant. It repeats itself so that something will stick in the mind. That's so nice, man. That's really interesting. <laughs> it sets such a nice scene. Create such yeah, an atmosphere. And, man, um, there was something else I was reading. Re- sorry, uh, there's something else I was reading recently as well. I'm just trying to remember what it was. I've been reading so many books lately, but the uh, I think it's set in Spain. Um, it, well, it wasn't because um, we always talk about the alchemist, but there's this other story that I was, I was reading. It's, it's in my pile, and I've been kind of like going through a cycle of them. Mm-hmm. And it, it reminds me of the same sort of thing. Like it's you can't really place it. Um, you know, when it was set, this, you know, the, the sort of the places, the way they talk about it, it's, it's just sort of, yeah, very magical. And I think we were talking about this as well with the, the Ico game, you know, um, PlayStation, um, the, that kind of the architecture of that, that game and the way that was designed and just that kind of whole universe, the way they do it. I, I found that really inspiring. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a magical, I, I've actually never played it. I've, I've watched a lot of videos online. But um, yeah, yeah I, I know exactly the atmosphere that you're talking about. Um, and, and yeah, we did talk about this sort of like old school PlayStation 1 janky graphic, you know, aesthetic, which was actually really, it was really good at building atmosphere. I, I just remembered what that book was, 100 Years of Solitude. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's yeah. super popular, right? Yeah, yeah. So, that, you know, like the way he, the, the way this, this sort of the, the cities are described and, and it's just, I don't know, it's like you've come across this, gala was carnival of, of gypsies in the middle of the night and and they take you on this journey to this magical faraway place and it just that that's the kind of feeling you get from that and and i really respond to that especially right now because you know we're all stuck at home or whatnot or just things are kind of going going a bit slower and there's something about that kind of the dreaming you know that kind of fantasy um but not fantasy you know as in dragons and, and flying around but fantasy as in fantasia as in going away to these like places where anything could happen and you know you didn't know what was what was waiting for you there um i really i really like that sort of thing i love it man you have to have a really good imagination though like when you're you know going on these journeys because to a to a to a layman um it would just be like oh i'm just going on a journey <laughs> I, I don't know i mean the books say the reason I, I love literature so much is because it allows you the moment to just can kind of conceive the universe that the author is trying to convey you know like Film, film, and game kind of film and video games kind of makes that they do it for you. They do the imagining for you, but with books, you kind of have to do the imaging yourself in your head, um, the, the visualization. You know, like can you clearly visualize some when you're reading a book, for example? Can you clearly visualize the 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 the, the words on the page into your mind like you know some oh, yeah. people if, if if i ask you to imagine a horse some people will literally be able to really clearly outline a horse in the head right? and then other people it's oh, just yeah. like a dark foggy um, mess <laughs> no yeah no I'm, I'm really interested in this concept like um to elaborate but like yeah definitely i, I do build images in my head and, and explore them mm. but I, I have this kind of concept of like the kind of this, this fountain of imagery and and often I found like just before I'm, I'm falling asleep or, or I'm trying to get, you know fall asleep and enough I really relax and and maybe you feel this when you're meditating as well but like I just feel like images that kind of morph into each other and, and just kind of like they come at you um, and, and 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 that's the fountain from which visualization imagination all of these things come from um, and, and it is just every everything kind of coming at you 
Mm. And if and and in your daily life, you get so obsessed with 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 different things that you you forget about that. But when you just let yourself relax, you know, sort of as you sleep, you close your eyes and you just sort of look look into the back of your eye, you know, your eyeballs, and you sort of can see these these images sort of flow over you. And 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 a keyword can kind of trigger this thing, and it's very dreamlike. Um, but that's sort of where I believe that function of our imagination is where something like reading a book is, is tapping into that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of like our pattern seeking mode of, of thinking or something. I don't know what, what quite what it is, but it's what allows, I think humans to have this kind of creativity mm. is there's this kind of, this, this fountain of, 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 of images and patterns that comes up all the time. And we try our best to kind of like, stifle it you know and 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 things like smartphones and computers can actually get really get in the way of that that flow but if you just sit there and think about it and just you know you just jump from image to image and you think okay you know you've got you got you've got the horse or you got that you know whatever and but then you know you can start filling that universe out and you know you imagine the hundred years of solitude riding a horse along these like back you know these uh you know, these mountain tops and and going through these towns and villages and just you know anything you want you can kind of explore it and I find I really, yeah, I don't know. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. But you're you're very much a visual uh, guy, though, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You deal with visuals. I, Have you ever heard of um, voxel art? Have you ever yes. Heard this? Yeah, you know, like yeah. where they build the worlds in the three D. Um, kind of mine, what, Minecraft kind of. Thing, yeah. yeah. Is it like is it for games or, or movies or something? I'm not sure, but it's like uh, they're building these um, worlds with blocks, right? But it's uh, there's there's a YouTube channel called Mad Maraca, Mad and then M A R A C A, and she builds these beautiful, incredibly detailed worlds, um, and and every video of hers I think is just basically her starting from um, the the blank canvas, and then and then finishing after building this beautiful city or this church or. Um, like really science sci-fi kind of worlds um mm. it, it sounds like a lot you know kind of like a lot what we're talking about here sort of like tripping into another world and yeah it, yeah I, there's actually um there's that game the last night i think it was at e3 a couple of years ago and it's based on voxels um but yeah i, I think the concept of voxels is, is really interesting but they are they are kind of building blocks you know um but yeah, no, definitely mm-hmm. I, that mm-hmm. um, that style. I think it's kind of like harkening back to like the eight bit kind of older older style because you are limited with what you can do. Um, so you, you know, it doesn't quite have the same detail, but mm-hmm. it allows you to kind of build smaller things and then you imagine what they are if you were to, you, you know, like we like these kind of small four pixel, eight pixel kind of characters, or you know, from a Game Boy game or something. You, that's not enough to really see the detail so you have to imagine the detail and it makes it more intimate in that way i think that's it you create it in your head just like reading a book yeah and so that's why i think for for me as well like i'm I'm not really into sort of super special effects um kind of showing too much you know like i think the, the less you show the more that's implied you're you know the, the biggest the best renderer you're ever going to have is in your head you know um, no matter how good it looks on the on the screen, it becomes almost unreal, I think. And you've got that classic uncanny valley. You've, you've heard of that, I'm assuming. Yeah. Like, yeah, where, where you know you've got these kind of 3D characters, but they're so done up, and you know, and it's so so much information. Your brain can't actually process it. Um, whereas something very minimalistic um, and ambient can actually be a lot more powerful um, mm. with anything. Music, you know, you can listen to. Um, Wagner, and you can imagine his entire universe, you know, the the ring of the Nibelungs, you know, you can see it, I can hear it in the music, the story, the calls of Siegfried, but you know, if you were to visualise that and make that into this like 3D epic it wouldn't quite be the same, I don't think Yeah, and actually I just, as as we're talking about this now, I realise this is what I'm really attracted to in your uh, photography, like going back to when I first saw Dante Dreams, which I think mm. you've got behind you, is that on the wall yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> the dreams. Um, the 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 image that you've taken is just of a, an empty room or an empty corridor, or an empty hallway, um, which uh, at first glance is is empty. But of course, if you use your imagination to imagine all the generations of people who have passed through that space, if you use your imagination to try and imagine how it sounds, uh, 
and you know you you can hear the closing doors in the distance you can mm. hear the child screaming uh crying for dinner or something like that um you mm. can hear the footsteps up and down the stairs in those hallways the your mind fills the blanks and that makes your image which at first glance seems empty alive you know come alive yeah exactly you you're building the you're building the set from which the characters emerge you know um and and there's something about that which is really important i think uh you 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 you're you're respecting your audience you're respecting the person looking at them as you're engaging with the artwork to actually do that you know to to to, to, to you know that that's the role that they they play is to actually imagine what goes into it but if you tell them you know you give them all the answers and you show them everything you spoon feed it you know they they never get the opportunity to engage with it at a deeper level yeah um and then it becomes this kind of fragment this kind of pop poppy kind of thing that doesn't really have any substance um and unfortunately the world promotes that at the moment um i was having a really good conversation today around how we've we've got such short time preferences mm-hmm. that everything you know, everything is now it is, is zero time preference like uh uber eats um tiktok you know all of this stuff social media you know we've talked about this yeah. before and it's it's just you know there's there's no room to say listen to an entire album or to watch a Tarkovsky film in all of its two it's hours. Playlists or... now, man. We, we, yeah. Everybody listens to playlists. That's it. There's no albums. But um, there's uh, there's a lot of advertising on the London Underground at the moment for these grocery companies that they're called Gorillas or Wheezy. Um, there's a there's a couple of them, and um, basically they're advertising groceries in minutes. And and their whole marketing spiel is like, if you order food from us, we will get. It, it to you like super quickly that's um, fucked up that's really I mean, bad isn't it man that's crazy shit you know like when i'm cooking like we cook quite a bit now like we didn't cook so much when we were living overseas but in new zealand you know we've got access to all this great fresh produce and that and you know great you know cheeses meats everything you need and when we're cooking man it's this beautiful creation of food you know mm, mm. um we put some we put music on um you know, it becomes a, 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 a theater, you know, a dance. And it's like, man, if it takes an hour and a half to make some food, that's that's what it does, you know, because that, that, that refreshes us and, and, and energizes our, our lives. Mm. Um, and, you know, sometimes we're busy and we might eat out or we'll do a quick meal. But when the time comes, it's like, yeah, we're, we're going to do, we're going to make something for real. And you can't, if you shortcut that, you're like, you're just like cutting yourself off from like one of the, the pleasures of life you know like yeah. everything fast is crazy man like it started with fast food and then fast fashion you know everything has just got to be fast 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 so i'm gonna blow your mind i've got but by the way i do have some questions here from one of our listeners um who oh, are, nice. which, I do want, which i do want to go over but i am um, i'm gonna blow your mind with a concept which i've been floating with a few people lately but um i really do believe so there's a lot of things happening in the world right now a lot of difficult times you know new zealand is still we're struggling like we're on this precipice between like maybe being okay or maybe being like a kind of a Mm. quasi totalitarian kind of like lockdown at whim you know no self-control not being able to not be able to do anything with your lives not being able to plan anything just with the current way things are going and and it's a bit uncomfortable and and there's a lot of anxiety floating around but I feel like it's it's all connected in a way, and 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 what I believe, what I feel is happening is that we're kind of approaching the end game of this low time preference kind of effectively a debt based society, mm. and that debt is have now pay later. And so for our entire lives, for the last you know however hundreds of years, you know we've, we've lived in this system of have now pay later, and and it, and at first it was you know maybe longer term, say you know get a mortgage. You know, you, you get a mortgage and you pay it off over 30 years. But now we've got to the point where everything is now, now, now. And everything, you know, paying for that is all later, later, later. You know, it's our kids' problem. It's our grandkids' problem. It's put on the credit card. It's put on the national debt. You know, everything at the high and the low level, I feel, is connected. Um, and so that a lot of the issues we're having right now, I think, are because that system is starting to fall apart. Yeah. And people... Um, don't really necessarily realize it, but there, there's something wrong with this idea and, and everything from climate change to just kind of mental health, everything is, I think, connected to this debt-based society, whether it's time debt, you know, do now and you, you have to make up for it later, pay now, um, but actually you're paying it off later. All of that stuff I, I feel is, uh, you know, pushing stuff off, pushing responsibility off into, into some distant future 
And so what you get is people burning away their lives on this kind of short-term dopamine hit. Mm. You know, they're, they're zooming around, they're twittering around, they're tw- uh, was it tindering around, um, <laughs> but not actually building any valuable long-term structures within their life. Yeah. Um, you know, like you look at something like, um, I don't know, the greatest operas, the greatest films, the greatest, you know, pieces of literature, and they all took years, decades yeah. to, to create, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, how many how many people are undertaking work like that at this time? You know, because our top, you know our attention spans are so short. It's like, no, we'll do it later. We'll do it later, and it's leading to this kind of like cultural shift where it's like nothing really matters anymore. It's this nihilism, um, and and even financially, it's like, man, everyone's just hocking themselves up. Um, the house across the road from me is just we had a letter. I mean, we're just renting, right? We're we're just you know, proletarians here, but. Um, house across the road and, and, and not a very particularly nice house. It's this thing coming, from, you know, offers starting from $1.85 million. Um, wow. Which Jeez. is absolutely insane. And New Zealand, I mean, I don't know if, did you see the Guardian article I had come out the other day? Yes. Well, I, I want to talk about that, but we can talk about it later. Yeah, know. we'll talk about that later. But anyway, yeah. um, so like, you know, we, we got this like, you know, who, no one in this country can afford $1.85 million. And that's no. the starting, the house is going to go for, two, you know, two, $2 million plus. Um, Nobody in Wellington makes that sort of money. Um, and if you work out the, say, the average, you know, the annual salary that it takes to pay that off, no one makes that sort of money in New Zealand. So someone's hocking themselves up for for a huge mortgage. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe they're not. But, you know, there, there's something fundamentally flawed about that system. And, and I feel like it's it's kind of starting to crumble. I don't know. What What, what is your thoughts on that? So this, this all reminds me that we are literally um... – you know, with our our culture, Western culture specifically, is uh, kicking the can down the road. This is the phrase that I love, right? Um, yes. This is literally what we are just doing. We've got <laughs> we've got a can in front of us, and we're just kicking it down the road, and we'll deal with the problems later. Just keep doing it. And the, the, I guess I guess you know, if we think about it, big level, um, the problem is that we have such a short um, political cycle. Right. So politics in the UK and I don't know about New Zealand, but every four years there's a new leader. Right. And in America as well, every four years, yes, they can go to eight years um, if they get reelected. But basically all the politicians are trying to do is appease everything for four years before they get kicked out of office. Um, and and it, it leads to these problems where you <laughs> kick the can down the road and you, you just ignore things we'll pay for it later we'll sort it out later yeah. next pol- next cycle yeah and and i think that has only been accelerating though like i think there was a golden time once upon a time when there were visionary leaders and there were people who were building the country and one of the things i find fascinating is you know if you look at some of infrastructure in new zealand there's been no new infrastructure investment for 50 years Mm. Um, they build they build roads here and there, and they build tunnels here and there. But the city of Wellington, the, the state highway, everything here that's kind of fundamental was all built in the seventies, um, and it's just been kind of maintained. And at that point in time, it was like you know people were saying, "Well, what's a hundred year plan going to look like? What's New Zealand going to be like in a hundred years?" But now, you know, you can't even put up a fence without you know having to deal with all of this sort of red tape, and there's so many barriers to it. And and it's like it is nihilistic. You know, people are like, well, why bother? And it's that exact sort of attitude, I think, which leads to this kind of cultural deprivation where it's like, you know, and I mean, it's, it's very much um, in, in, in line with, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Frankfurt School of Thought. Um, no. So that's a kind of, I mean, it's, it's something to be aware of. I think it's not necessarily correct or, or whatnot, but it's this uh, kind of group of German theorists working in the like 1920s, mm-hmm. 1930s, and they were sort of, basically, you know, university professors and, and that, and they were talking about how sort of pop music and, and modern music had changed people's attention spans and in sort of lockstep with um, changes in the industrial process. So you went, you, you know, you went from artisanal sort of building things by hand mm-hmm. to kind of Ford, you know, the Ford style building, you know, production lines and that, and that coincided with the rise of pop music effectively. Right. Um, and, and so you went from, you know, three-hour operas to three-minute pop songs, um, which which was in line with the changes from, you know, seasonal kind of lifetime kind of, or, or even sort of bigger than that, sort of the spiritual time frame of pre-modern societies where, you know, the individual didn't really matter 
um, to the individual as this kind of cog in the machine, just making another widget. Um, and so the music and kind of the things that, cause you know, music's got a very spiritual power, I think. And so if your if your music that you listen to is a three minute piece, as opposed to say, you know, this kind of unending hymn of, of spiritual kind of, you know, it's like a sutra or something that you just say continuously, it never actually ends. But if you're listening to only a three minute song, it's like, that's kind of encapsulates your life in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's quite interesting though, because the, um, when they started recording uh, pop music on um, uh, what was it, forty fives on on forty five RPM records, those small tiny records, um, they had a time limit of uh, I think three minutes um, on one side. So I think one pop music was limited by these uh, these time limits that were imposed on them by the by the recording medium, but. Yeah, I think there was, you're right, there was a change in in like um, what we focused on and and our attention span was getting shorter and shorter. That's interesting, man, because there's another theorist called Marshall McLuhan who you might have heard of. Yeah. Um, He's one of these kind of like pop, like sort of popular kind of cultural kind of figures. But uh, he he had this concept of like the medium as the message, right? And Mm -hmm. so... If you've got a three minute, a limit of three minutes, then that is the message is that, you know, three minutes is the limit of, of your attention span. Um, and it can be applied to so many different things. And now, you know, you, you, we're still in that space, mm-hmm. but people's ability to engage with things, I think, you know, generally speaking at, at a higher, longer level, um, kind of a deeper level potentially is, is really challenged. You know, there's so many barriers to that. Um, and why, you know, you know the, the fact that some some people aren't actually just uber eating, and you know, sort of dopamine hitting continuously is is a miracle. I think. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, you got to you got to pay the bills, man. Um, but yeah. now the attention the attention span of the the modern uh, teenager, I guess, is uh, what fifteen seconds. Is it Instagram yeah. story or TikTok videos? Fifteen seconds. Yeah, that's the new that's the new three minutes, man. Um, Mental, isn't it? It's, it's crazy, and you know, it's 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 that challenge though, because one of the the secondary effects of that is that people's engagement with say historical precedent or or these kind of longer term goals, right? So, the founding fathers of the United States, or you know, the the Magna Carta, or, or massive, you know, some of the the work in New Zealand around you know um, you know uh, engaging with. Uh, New Zealand as this kind of a new way of, of doing colonialism and then all of these different big ideas that it's like, man, you should at least have an idea of what's going on. Um, the ability to do that is so limited because people just don't have time to read a book. Yeah. Um, and one of the challenges that I'm seeing is with this current decline of, of society, which it really does feel like, a, you know, as you know, we, we kind of move towards effectively totalitarianism in the West, I, I feel, mm-hmm. um, the ability, you know, restriction of movement, restriction of free association, um, uh, you know, all of these kind of quite heavy-handed responses to this to this virus, and I'm I'm very interested in how that connects with the kind of the lack of of people's engagement and realization that this has been done before, you know, and it's been done, and every time it's been done, it's turned out really bad for everyone, you know. Because they're being entertained by Netflix and sitting at home and watching their TVs, and so they're being distracted, right? Literally, you know, yeah. general, general, generally. Um, man, it's really, it's really scary. It's really scary. Yeah, scary. I, I don't know what to do, man. Like, I mean, I think it's good to talk about it because I think a lot of people don't. And, and I mean, it's super. I don't. I mean, in New Zealand, it's really, it's really difficult, man. All of the. All of the media here are pretty much, you know, under the thumb of the government. And oh yeah, especially yeah, over in Australia as well. It's crazy. Yeah, right. It's crazy, man. I mean, they're literally um, in Melbourne, and I know we might have some listeners from Victoria and, and Melbourne and that, but I mean, it's it's insane. Yeah. They've been in lockdown for like two hundred days. Or Isn't something. there a lot of protests going on at the moment? Yeah, I think there were, and and the police were shooting at them. And I mean, look, there's different ways of looking at it, but it's like at the end of the day. What, what what's going on guys mm. you know this is a virus it's not about shooting people in the yeah. street you know and just take it easy man but uh it doesn't that's not how these systems work mm. and um what really you know like again i've got this um sochi nitsen book here you know um he's you know the, the, you know the, he survived the gulags in the mm. soviet union um alexander sochi nitsen and 
I literally found this book. I was at the YMCA in Auckland a couple of months ago and I, I picked it up and um, it was just sitting there on a, on a free pile of books. So I took it and, and read through it. It's, it's not his, it's not the Gulag Archipelago. It's, um, it's just his biography, but it's really interesting because he basically lived through it. And, and I think my, my take on it is he was like, look, you know, all of the problems that led to the Gulags and, 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 and the massive purges and all of the issues of the Soviet Union were because of human failings, mm. you know, but magnified, you know. So all of the issues of human kind of greed or, or, you know, all of these sort of incentives were just magnified and that was what led to this, like, massive suffering. Um, and, and I think, in a way, that's kind of what's happening as well with this kind of financial system, this kind of debt-based society where it's like, all of the incentives are leading to this like negative outcome of like climate change, kind of mass production of stuff that we don't need, short attention spans, kind of all of that, you know, all of those issues. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm just throwing ideas. At you no, it's good. <laughs> it's good. Um, um, but I'm a bit worried about how things are going to progress moving towards Christmas. Of course, that is even more buying, even more wasting, even more producing of stuff that we don't need. Um, you know, I think I am, I'm hypersensitive to all of this stuff now. So living in England, which is a very, we, you know, we do really focus on Christmas as this big celebration. Um, I think I will approach it a bit more carefully and mindfully, yeah. uh, this year. Yeah. I, I do, I do have hope. I, I will just say one more thing on that topic. I do have a lot of hope for the long term prospect of this. And, um, uh, I, I do believe it's going to come out in the form of, of a new system that will emerge from this, um, and look, potentially it's going to be something based on Bitcoin, as we've talked about before, um, where it's like instead of a debt-based society, you've got this kind of appreciation of this kind of savings-based society where, you know, the, the universe of invisible cities, you mm. know, the, the kind of the world of Kublai Khan, you know, it's like building the tower of, you know, or, or, you know, building the citadel, as they say. And, and it's like that stuff takes vision and, and long-term thinking and, um, you know, an asset like Bitcoin as a, say, the basis for a financial system would enable that kind of world. Um, whereas... It's going to happen, man. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite optimistic, but it's hard, man. There's a lot of, I think, anxiety floating around in people's minds. And I think, like, you know, we just had El Salvador adopt Bitcoin um, last month or something. Um, there's, a, there's a few other countries that are looking into making it legal tender, um, I think these are the beginnings of something happening. It's new, man. It's 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 the change that we've been waiting for. It's the change that humanity needs. And um, I'm I'm super inspired. And well, we can talk more about that some other time, I guess. But like we are, I think we're moving. And that's the thing that gives me hope is that this will change um, just the way humans engage with each other instead of this yeah. kind of zero sum kind of debt based society. We're actually, you know. As everyone's growth, as the world grows, everyone's, you know, slice of Bitcoin grows, everyone gets more prosperous and mm. it's just going to be a new system, you know? We kind of need people to wake up from Netflix, man. You've got to turn off yeah. Netflix and sort of like, you know, snap. Well, the classic, the classic example, again, you've got, you got the Kublai Khan stuff, but the classic example people say is like, you know, the, the Renaissance, you know, that was all built. The, the reason we had a Renaissance was because of it was a gold-backed a gold -backed economy at mm. the time. Um, you know, and gold's kind of inferior to Bitcoin, but it's still a solid asset. And so you could put in, you can put away, you know, a chunk of gold for a hundred years, and it will still be worth something in a hundred years. Absolutely. Um, and so you can say, look, you know, go ahead, build build the Sistine Chapel, um, because I, I can I can bequeath that you know bequeath that money and say, all right, you just go ahead and do it, guys, even if I'm not here. And it will it, it will happen, you know. Whereas you, if you do that with fiat currency, it's like, man, your money is your money's lost its value after ten years, you know. Um, but anyway, man, that's uh, enough on the economics. Um, yeah. I do have some questions. We're getting into politics yeah. and economics today. Um, let's steer away from that. So yeah, you got some questions. Yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to hear. I do. So um, my question here is, uh, how do you pack for your travels? Uh, the few times I've been anywhere, I try to pack light, and with equipment, I feel um, it gets more complicated. Um, Maybe that's one for me first and then you. Yeah, please go ahead. Okay, so for me, um, in terms of packing, um, I'm a minimalist. Um, I've only recently started acquiring kind of air quotes junk, um, just sort of like sort of having a bed, <laughs> like um, <laughs> sort of that sort of stuff. Um, but effectively for like three, uh, for, yeah, for two years, I was living out of Patagonia bags. So um, I'm a big fan of Patagonia, no affiliation, but, just um, their equipment, their, their like packing system is is really sweet because you can just put stuff in and it will just hold it. So 
um, I tended to have like two large Patagonia bags. And then if I was traveling with Rena, we got four between us and then one carry-on bag. Um, uh, so that is pretty much enough to carry is everything we need. Um, usually I put the cameras and the electronics in like my, my backpack and mm. take it on the plane. Um, and then tripod clothes and everything else goes into the Patagonia black, black hole bags. That's I think that's actually what they're called. They're like 70 liter, mm. 70 liter bags. And then I think mm. I might have like a, a 40 liter one as well. Um, uh, but yeah, really minimalistic. Um, recently I'm, I'm really getting into Merino clothing. Uh, this sounds really weird, but basically it's like a super, a super thing. So you, you only need like three Merino t-shirts and that's as, cause they, they, they don't, for some reason, you know, they, they can just, they dry, they dry really quickly. Um, oh, you don't need to like, it's like with cotton, you, if you wash it, you got to dry it. But with Merino, you, 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 you can wear it a couple of days in a row if you want, but if you wash it, it takes like only a couple of hours to dry. Okay. Uh, air dryer super so i've kind of changed all of my clothing out to be like merino based mm. um so i do that so it's like packing less stuff um usually i have quite a big tripod so i like i usually like wrap the clothing around that to kind of like and stop it getting damaged mm. um the other kind of like critical things for traveling would be like a neck brace thing for when you're on the airplane oh yeah uh, must and uh, yeah um but yeah i don't know what, what about you man um man so I, yeah, I mean, I've traveled, usually always when I've traveled, it's for moving to a new country to start work. Um, mm. So after university, went to Finland. After Finland, went to South Korea, South Korea to, you know, Malaysia, etc. Um, so every time I went, I, I was a serial seller. Like I would sell all <laughs> of my stuff before I left or before I so before I left to move to a new country or before I left that country to move to the next one, um, mm. I would just sell everything. And um, now, 10 years later, I really regret a lot of the stuff that I've like got rid of over the years. Um, mm. I wish I had a bit more like foresight a little bit there, I guess. Like there's some really old, I had this beautiful old um, negative projector you know, like the little 35 millimeter negative uh, photos that you can get and you can put them in the slide projector and, and project yeah. on all. I had this beautiful old one from, from England, you know, like decades ago it was made. Um, and before I moved to Finland, I sold it. And uh, now I, I wish I still had that thing. But anyway, um, so I'm a serial seller. I, I, I tried to go very minimalist. I tried to get rid of everything and then I moved to the next place. Um, mm. But recently I've sort of like when I when I left Japan, I tried to ship as much as I could over to mm. England because I was afraid of doing what I'd done for years before. And throwing away something that I really missed. Um, but if we're just, I mean, if we're, if we're just talking holidays, you know, when, I, when I'm going traveling to Morocco, for example, um, I always take a little field recorder and a pair of headphones. And that's all I need. I'm very blessed uh, in that sound recording is, you know, such a small, I can take such a small device like the Edirol uh, R. 44 i think i have um i just slap it in a bag pair of headphones make sure i've got like a wind cover and stuff like that and i'm good to go and i'm good to record and mm. you know um I, I i do feel very blessed in that i can pack a laptop if i want to or i can just you know upload it all when i get home mm. it's nice that's that's cool man yeah i mean I, I guess on that note like uh i i am a fan of minimalism um though I guess what I've tended to do is take longer excursions, as in months. Um, so I remember, like, when the last time we 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 were on the road properly, um, we had actually intended on going to Russia, and so we had all of this winter gear, um, and we never even made it out of the tropics, pretty much. So it was like I was <laughs> for like months, I was lugging around this like these like feather down jackets and stuff, but. Um, it, it kind of doesn't matter so much because I, I, I prefer to have the, the gear yeah. so that we know, you know, it's like passport. you got the passport. you got the travel docs. That's all you need um, to go anywhere else. And, and that feeling of like having, it's like quite nomadic. Um, it's almost like a character from one of these like books, you know, the kind of 
you know, on the Silk Road, you know, with everything you need. Um, I, I quite, I prefer that over being like knowing that I, I have to return back after only a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I've tended to take more stuff with me and, and that I guess changes depending on the destination, but generally like a couple of check-in bags. I, I don't know if I'd really want to do just like carry on only for an extended, extended excursion. Um, but I know what you mean about selling stuff. Like mm. I, I got rid of a whole lot of stuff each time I've moved. And I, I, I don't think you, you say you regret it, but I, I don't think it's a bad thing, man. Like, yeah. I mean, there's just a few things that I really, I really miss. Um, but you know, everything's replaceable, man. Yeah. And if you, if you were the kind of person who couldn't get rid of stuff, you know, maybe you wouldn't have made those journeys, you know? Yeah. True. Right. So that's a good um, point. And then sometimes it's like, I mean, I, I got some books still that are in Japan that I'd like to send over, but um, that, that's about the only thing that I really miss, you know, like some of my old old books. But, you know, stuff, you know, it can actually weigh you down quite a lot, um, literally. But, like, yeah, I, I think, you know, the time for collecting stuff maybe is, is to get older maybe, but when you're younger, it's like, man, just let it go, you know. Absolutely. And I mean, this, this talks, you know, this talks to the wider sort of uh, rental economy that we're sort of entering into blindly, you know, like everything at the moment is rental, 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 you rent your uh, movies from uh, Apple, or you rent your books from Amazon, Kindle. Um, there's, there's adverts all over the, the, the tube at the moment about um renting the stuff in your home that you don't use like if you have some power tools some drills and stuff that you never use you can put them on this website and people can hire them from you for a week or something um everything seems to be going towards having nothing and everything being happy with it. <laughs> yeah 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 here we go exactly yeah, being happy with yeah. it yeah it's interesting though because like there's certain things i do have certain things that are really special. So I've got, I have a compass that my grandfather gave me when I was probably like 10 years old and I've had it with me that whole time. I had it with me in Japan. Um, I've got it right behind me in the bookshelf. Um, made in Germany. He used to use it like orienteering around Wellington and stuff. And like for me, that's like, that's an heirloom, you know? Yeah. And it's, and, and it's really meaningful, you know, um, cause it's like the compass, the wanderer, you know, this kind of mythologies of the self um, so that's an example of like a small trinket that's kind of, mem you know, important to me. Um, but in terms of renting power tools, it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I get that, you know, that's, uh, I think there's almost a, people are talking about like uh, experience, you know, experiential kind of things that's sort of becoming more popular now. So not so much owning things, but the experience of, of, of stuff, um, which is, I don't even know, I don't know if it's a, a negative, you know, people um, living, living, you know, living for the moment and, and doing more important kind of, you know, things with their friends, that sort of stuff. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's a negative, I guess, but it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's different, I think, to maybe the, the, the previous um, narrative mm. of like owning stuff and just being like bogged down with all this junk. Yeah. Um, Own a house, fill it up. Yeah. <laughs> fill it up. Um, cool. So yeah, that's talking about equipment and how we travel. Um, Yes, um, we have another question here. Uh, do you do you guys ever get homesick? Um, I think my family dynamics never really taught us it's okay to just leave and be somewhere for a while. Talk about the art of being alone. Ooh, that's a tough one. So, it I wasn't homesick for maybe eight years of ten years being away from England. Um, I was always like fueled by the excitement of being in a new country or new job, new city, finding new stuff. Um, but I realized that like, whenever I moved to a new place, like South Korea, for example, when, when I got there, the, one of the very first things I did was find out where I can get the comforts of home, should I want them. Like uh, the first thing I would do is try and find an international supermarket. You know, I wanted I wanted to be able to go and buy um, English sweets or um, cookies or something, whatever. Um, and I kept doing this every single country I visited. The first, one of the first things I do is like hunt out an international supermarket. Um, and then I was I, I just got to the point where I was like, why do I keep 
doing this like maybe this just means um i shouldn't be away from home <laughs> maybe yeah. i do miss it a lot more than i thought i did um and yeah for the like for the last two years before i came back it was uh it was real bad nostalgia um but the the second part of the question because there's there seems to be two parts to that question the second part is mm. more about loneliness right mm. Mm. loneliness um as i'm sure you know cody is was serious in in japan uh, as a foreigner in japan it doesn't matter how well you speak the language um you probably will find it hard to connect on a super deep level to to the japanese people um they're an absolutely beautiful group of people but there is this sort of like big divide between you and them mm. and um i i talk about this a lot but uh you know i i ran a a cafe in Tokyo, a successful cafe, um, I would say so. And so therefore I was surrounded by people all day. From the moment we opened the door to the moment we closed the door at night, I was surrounded by people, lovely, loving, gift-giving, beautiful people. But I did feel very lonely. And I think it was because I just couldn't have the deep connections that I really craved from japan because mm. you know on a, on a practical level the language barrier was a big one mm. and then on top of the language barrier you've got the cultural barrier mm. um so how did i deal with it i made a lot of music and i worked with you cody a lot. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 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 now that's um interesting man like i think for me i uh, probably s similar um like just leaving i think it's important to talk about leaving um you know I, I left new zealand um and looking back you know i, I really much i i feel like i escaped new zealand mm. um i was really deeply unhappy being here and at that time um i mean even today still you know there's not a lot of opportunity in this country it's there is but there's not you know it's, it's a very small place I felt kind of hemmed in and, and very much like there wasn't anything here for me. Um, and and I, I craved, as a young man, I craved the dream and the promise of what lay beyond. Just like Marco Polo or, or whoever, you know, all these kind of characters that sort of, you know, go on the journey, the hero's journey. And and so that, that was what drove me. And then once I left, I became deeply interested in my relationship with home. And a lot of my work today and to the, up until now has been connected with this idea of home because uh, very quickly you you sort of, you know, just like a cicada, you kind of like shed your your skin of what you think you're, you are and, 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 and what home means. And so this idea of New Zealand as this kind of nation, this kind of patriotism or whatever. You know, I used to watch rugby. I used to kind of participate in a lot of this kind of mass media stuff and it was so useless and boring looking back. But it was kind of identity building. And um, when you're faced, when you're living in a country where there wasn't even, there was no other New Zealanders. And so you become this like representation of the place that you came from. And it's like, well, actually, I don't even know what that means, you know, um, because I can't be, I can't fill in for all of New Zealand. It's such a different, you know, there's different countries, different cities, different kind of areas. I can only be myself. And so, you know, you start to shed off the kind of the bullshit and you go kind of get down to the root of it. And I didn't, for the first couple of years, I didn't even really talk to my family, to be honest. Mm. Like um, I had the phone calls every now and then, but there was like this really important period of cooling off from my relationship with my family, um, which now, you know, I'm a lot closer, I think, and it's a lot more of a mature relationship. But at the time, I really just needed some space. Um, and that's what I got, you know, and... Uh, that led to me going very deep and introspective into myself. Um, I totally agree with your comments about Japan and, and Japanese people. Like, um, I've had some, I think it's important to clarify here, like every single individual, whether they're Japanese or not, has this this, this difficulty with when you're in Japan. You know, mm. I think it's almost easier for us because we can, you know, we can kind of hang out and do our own thing. But for, for, for say, a Japanese person, you know, they're, they're deeply lonely, I, I believe. And that comes through in everything from the music to the film to the culture. You know, there's, 
it, it, it's 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 just the way it is, uh, and that's what inspired me so deeply about the literature and the film mm. and, and everything, is that it kind of comes from that space and it kind of monono aware kind of deep loneliness and melancholy for life. Um, and if and if you didn't have that, it wouldn't be the thing that we really love, mm. you know. So it's it's kind of very challenging dynamic, um, and the loneliness aspect of it. Um, I mean, even just looking at my life today, it's like it's so starkly different, you know. Like I had a friend round last night, and man, like it's like just let yourself in, you know. Like we, he lives just next door, and you know, people come and go, and and we catch up, and it's like nothing's an issue, nothing's off topic. Um, we, we we can communicate really smoothly, um, and we're never intruding on each other. It's like we kind of. You know, I flicked a message to my friend this morning and said, hey, do you want to go to the beach? And I just, we swam by his house, picked him up and went to the beach. Like there, there wasn't this kind of unspoken formality. kind of formality, you know? It's like, mm. and and that was something that um, it took me like five years to like go through that to then be able to come back and really appreciate my fellow countrymen uh, and, and what, what I do get in New Zealand socially from that sort of angle. Um and family, you know, and, and all of that. Um, but in terms of, yeah, being alone, um, I also think that that's really formative, you mm. know, because when you're when you're stuck with yourself and that fountain of imagination that I spoke about earlier, I believe that can only really come when you're, you're in this sort of deep state of sort of self where you're sort of just existing, you know, and, and just sort of floating along. And maybe that's sort of a meditative state, Um but sort of being alone and, and away from everything else, it just gives you the, I, I think it's possible to find this kind of inner peace. Um, and then you can come back and re-engage with people from a, a more powerful position of kind of love and kind of connection, you know? Um, whereas if you're kind of bombarded and constantly around people, you maybe don't get that opportunity to kind of really long for them in, in, in a metaphorical sense, you know? Um, and so I do value, and maybe you're, feeling this at the moment i know you're, you're sort of perhaps alone at the moment right and mm. and so there's that kind of periods of distance that actually enable the, the the love when you are together you know i love that that's really nice yeah, yeah. and i for um, me i feel like meditation is sort of like an opportunity to step away from living for a second or 15 minutes or something and then Re, you know, reevaluate how you hold yourself in the world, how you go through the world, how you're living, reevaluate sort of who you are as a person. And it gives you a much better approach to, to living because you can make yourself aware of uh, parts that you don't necessarily like or parts you want to work on or parts that you do enjoy about life. Uh, meditation yeah. is a great opportunity to sort of like see these. Yeah, and 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 I think I mean I'm not formally trained uh, or anything, no, and I know the the, <laughs> the 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 word gets thrown around quite a lot. But you know, I'll oh, just meditate, or you know, and, and what actually just as an off topic, I find really interesting. I've seen these like apps that promote meditation. Have you mm, seen that? Calm and all this. Yeah, and I find that really interesting because it's like this like bastardized kind of. <laughs> thing it's like you can use your smartphone to meditate and i'm like no that's not quite how it works but um literally like for me it really does come down to this idea of just focusing my mind on that fountain of images that's like spewing up constantly inside my head and just watching it you know all of the thoughts all of the ideas all of the things that are just there but just like watching it go past and it you know before i sleep or whatever and just sort of seeing it and just watching the videotape of it kind of unfold and that's 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 all I need to do, and then I'm like, oh, it's, it, everything's okay. It's the way it needs to be, and I could do that in my bed, comfortable at home, or I could do that, you know, in the most difficult situation. You know, I'm I'm stuck in some fucking Beijing, oh sorry, Shanghai prison cell. You know, <laughs> um, you know, do, <laughs> you know, letting those images sort of like spew out and and just watching them, and it's like I'm here, and everything's okay, and everything's right with the universe, um, and and in that way, it's almost like a I don't mean it's sorry, getting a bit deep, but it's like building that kind of connection with God, if you know whatever you believe God to be, um, you know the universe or the Creator or whatnot. It's like you're just kind of connecting with that energy source, um, and then you just touch it, and it's like you press the button, and you just kind of you get that like energization, and then it's like from that space, mm. that's where idea generation happens, and that's like 
people talk about shower thoughts. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the reason that happens is because the shower is the only place where you're not actually engaging with a phone, and you're just mm. let, and you're just and you're just watching the the water flow like in front of your face. It's exactly the same thing. Um, that's where the best ideas come from, right? I think it's something also, I don't know about, I'm just guessing here, but I think it's something, it might be something about the white noise as well, of the, the mm. sound of the shower just like envelops you so much. That's, yeah, that's a good idea, yeah. You're, you're in, a, you're in a, a small bubble where you can't hear outside of that bubble. You, yeah, you don't have your phone or anything. Yeah, I, I really like that actually because um, the other thing is it's quite warm. Yeah, and it's almost feet. It's like you're in the like the placenta, you know. Like it's it's quite you know this sort of. Um, I think we're onto something. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, I, I think we're creating, <laughs> creating some ideas here. But um, I know I, I do think about this quite a lot. I, I would say I probably spend a good, I, I you know, time every day. I, I spend thinking about. Um, my connection to the world, um, my own life, my own place in the universe, that sort of thing. Um, and, and, and it just, it always just, you know, I come back to it and I think, you know, this, you know, this is my, this is my connection to the world, you know? Mm. Um, and, and that it kind of, cause you know, it's easy to get really hyped up and, and, and kind of, you know, you're busy you know, stressed out doing stuff, but it's like, you know, you do need to take a step back and be like, well, look, I'm just this person here doing this thing. Um, as many have done before me and many will do in the future. Um, life is finite. And, and I think people forget that. And I think that's one of the things about COVID that's really gotten people is like, well, actually people die, you know? Um, and, and it's so impossible to comprehend for people now in this kind of media age because no one dies. Everyone's forever young. Hmm. Um, whereas somehow, I don't know, like you sort of see yourself age and you sort of see your life kind of, you know, go before you, and you're like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just doing what I need to be doing. You know, I'm just the, the honeybee going and and pollinating. As was it Marcus Aurelius? Uh, you know, the bee, the, mm. oh, the 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 vine, the vine produces the grapes. It doesn't complain. It doesn't worry. It uh, just creates the grapes. You know, yeah. um, the the honeybee just goes and pollinates. That's it. Doesn't it? Doesn't stress out about it. Yeah. Um, it does. It does what it's meant to do. And as humans, we are meant to love, create, and share experiences together. You know, I love um, that. Yeah. And we kind of got lost along the way somewhere, you know, creating money and systems that don't actually ena- en- you know, enable that. Um, mm, that creates ultimately. You know, yeah. And no, that's, that's human. That's human. Um, that, that's ultimately what we are is we're creation engines, you know, idea mm. pattern, pattern mm. creation engines um, in this kind of biological form. Um, but anyway, uh, our next deep, question. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's man, go. Next question. <laughs> um, are you guys currently reading anything, uh, any recommendations? So we've already talked about Invisible Cities. Yeah. Um, so uh, what's, what, have you got anything you're reading at the moment? Yes. Um, actually, this is something I wanted to really quickly, just before I answer that question. Um, recently, I accidentally deleted my Amazon account. Um, oh. Now, <laughs> people are going <laughs> to ask, how the fuck did you accidentally delete your Amazon I thought that there were separate accounts for Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk. Um, are, they, and are they not separate? The, the reason I thought that is because... No. So the, the Amazon.co.jp account, the one for Japan, is separate. So if you delete it, it doesn't affect your UK one. And I thought, stupidly, I assumed that the .com was the same and I could delete the .com and not affect my UK account. How wrong I was. Um, I deleted maybe 80 Kindle books. I love the Kindle. I'm a, I'm a big mm. fan of the Kindle. Deleted my whole collection. Gone. All of my oh. books gone. Um, and what happened? I had, this, I had this moment where I was like, okay, I need to start rebuilding my book collection again. But now mm. I have a choice. Do, yes. I, do I go back to the Kindle route and buy... Uh, all, all my books on Kindle again, or do I start going down the physical book route? Um, and I know what your answer would probably be, <laughs> right? Physical books, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so I have this sort of like I'm in this this in between period where I'm starting to think about buying more books, and I'm like, do I buy digital? Anyway, if you have any ideas, please send them in. Um, yeah. Back to the question. Um, I just finished Malcolm Gladwell's. 
the outliers i think yeah. we, we talked about it a couple of while a little while ago uh, absolutely yeah. loved that that was fascinating um i read yuval noah harari's uh, homo deus the second one mm. not not the first one i read the first one a long time ago and then now reading the mm. second one um and very interestingly i just um started listening to an audiobook which i've never done before this is my first audiobook it's called 2034 and it's it's completely fiction it's there's nothing real in it but it's about uh the future war between china and america and it will be a cyber one um so it's about basically oh. china has like wiped out um the american sort of infrastructure yeah so a lot of non-fiction sort of yeah yeah sort of yeah concept um yeah i i, I can appreciate that um i i think yeah i i probably tend towards more fiction mm. like i'm i mean i'm reading i start working on working through invisible cities but i've got this massive um book called it's just called shanghai by christopher new um it's from like the 80s i found it in the secondhand bookstore but it's it's like 500 pages of just like 1920s roaring shanghai kind of opium dens and triads and stuff but it's really interesting though because it's super detailed historically and i'm really interested in shanghai so um, i've been working through that and that's kind of been like backlogging all my other reading because i've been just trying to slog through that um that one but um yeah man no, definitely i can recommend uh, invisible cities um as kind of a, a collection and i can recommend physical books man like yeah I've done Kindle and it's good on the airplane and stuff like when I was traveling, but I think in, when I'm home, it's like there's nothing you can match with like that kind of smell of a book, you know? Yeah, and the feel of um, a book, yeah. And then I guess the, the last question, oh, we had another question here about Megatech Body album. Do you Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Sorry, what's that? Megatech Body. Body, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what that is. I'm going to have to listen to that. Um, uh, so asking about that album, um, which I'll have to listen to. And then any new music you've been listening to. Um, so uh, for myself, um, I've been listening to a lot of, um, I found this music called Music for the Cryo Chamber. This, this oh, yeah. Uh, dude, I sent that to you as well, didn't <laughs> it is, I? Yeah, it's great. What, what, are you, what, what were your thoughts on that? Oh, that's very like meditative sort of. It's just, yeah. yeah it's, 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 just it's something you want to listen to in the womb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then the shower, yeah, maybe. The shower, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, that, to be honest, that's the only sort of music. Um, that's the only sort of thing that I can listen to when I'm really doing deep work. Yeah. Um, so, and then I love how each one has its own little description. That's sort of like um, music for faraway places or mm. like um, the space chamber. Like, so I've been listening to that playlist, and then also in terms of Japanese stuff, um, I found Meiko Kaji. Oh, she's this like okay. old school kind of like soul kind of deep kind of not quite anchor but um mm -hmm. quite beautiful um so that's sort of like i'm just trying to find what period that was from but um it's definitely like a lot older mm. um, um so i've been listening to that and but yeah a lot of just ambient stuff i've been i got like a really tight youtube sort of curation going on now so um nice that really the YouTube algorithm is fantastic. Absolutely love it. Yeah, you gotta you gotta train it. It's it's like a, a dog, you know. You just gotta t tell it when it's right and not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Have you have you been listening to anything new? Oh man, you know what? Like, I have been listening to a lot of podcasts recently. Oh. Um, I've been getting really into sort of like listening to podcasts and this audio book that I'm listening to. I'm not really listening to much new music, which is really sad um so i'd love to yeah i'd love to sort of reach out a bit and and kind of i you know i i have this desire to just go to a record shop and just buy a random record and you know enjoy that um so i might do that soon <laughs> i might just pop into the local uh, rough trade we have in london here just yeah i like something. i like it same same with books man like you just pick one up and be like, all right this i like the cover let's go yeah, you know um exactly but anyway um there was a few other questions but i think we can cover those maybe in the next our next yeah, call this um, is going on but might open up. i just yeah. searched i just searched megatech body just really quickly it seems to be like the ghost in the shell soundtrack or something like that oh oh ghost no actually i know body. i'm sorry i know where that question came from now because i posted a photo of that soundtrack um because my, ah. my I, I was visiting a friend and he had it there and i thought i just took a photo and put it on instagram i think um on my story so that's sorry where that question is coming from so I, I may be qualified now to answer this so let me have a look here um let's have a look here oh, 
because this will be from the, the film. Yeah. Oh, man. Takio Ishino is on there, though. Yeah. So I'm yeah. Yeah, familiar with his stuff, yeah. Um, oh, man. I, know, I don't recognize any of them because I, I, I love, like, lithium flower and all of that stuff, but I, I think that might be from the the series, whereas that's from the, the Megatech body is from the game music. Oh, from okay. the video game. Oh, okay. So that maybe it was different, different stuff, but I might have to take a proper listen because I just took a photo of, I haven't, I, I'm, I'm sure I've, I've heard some of these songs before, but mm. um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to take a listen. Then I can let you know what's my favorite. Uh, Absolutely. What man. my favorite track is. Um, otherwise, yeah, that's, that's maybe us. That's um, good. Let's keep the questions for next time. Yeah. Yeah. No, but thank you for sending that through. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, listen, listener. And then, um, uh, otherwise, yeah, man, I'm, I look forward to catching up with you again. Uh, yeah, next soon, time. man. Let's do it in a couple of weeks, three weeks. Sweet. All right, cool. All right, take care. Cool, man. Take care. Uh, See bye. You. Bye.